2: We Thrive. I am Sandra Primo and I'm Tammy Salas and we are The Unruffled. Hello Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show
0: by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the Unruffled Podcast.
2: And that's not it. You can share our show on social media, or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning.
0: Good morning, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) I I totally slept in this morning, Sandra, and it feels um, decadent to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Usually an I early mean, riser,
2: but yeah. I think uh, listening to your body right now is, is, is essential.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've been able to do that more and more um, through recovery, of course, but um, just since the beginning this year, just really since knowing um, I was going through a big change in my life and um, being able to pay attention to a lot of different areas of my life, sleep, and rest in my body money finances things like that all have been kind of you know keyed up a little bit um but not in a super stressful way in a way that's more like i need to i need to pay attention to that and do something about it and i didn't even hear my alarm today it goes off at 5:30 in case i've overslept and yeah so hi <laughs>
2: good you needed it
0: yeah okay so what i know lots is going on with you so let's let's just dig into that. What's going on, Sandra? What's happening in your
2: creative world? Let's see. Okay. Well, uh, I will tell you guys, I'm still taking, I can still take a couple of, um, one-on-one coaching clients through change your story, which I promote all the time. Um, but I'm also, um, I also opened up a new, uh, small group coaching class and, um, Already start. I already have a few, um, half a dozen or so women have enrolled already, and the name of the class is Last 30 Days, and it's going to be so uh, useful is I think the best word I can describe it. Yes, it'll be fun. Yes, it'll go deep, but it's just going to be useful because so here's la- the deal sorry, last 30 days is what it's called it's called the last 30 the days last thirty. okay thank you um because here's the deal everyone we are <laughs> i always and i know you share this as well i look forward to the magical flipping of the calendar <laughs> to january 1 however um this time will be different <laughs> maybe then right. than the last few times. That's right. The last few years that we have experienced the flipping of the calendar, I mm-hmm. just um, you know, talk about setting expectations. I think we're in a marathon and uh we could only be at mile six. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we have no idea. No, we
2: have no idea. It could be much more of the same going into 2021. And so I woke up feeling the need to be extra fortified. And um, hence um, this program, The Last 30 Days. And it's a culmination of things I have been working on actually for a very long time. And so I just kind of pulled from kind of a bigger, a bigger, a bigger thing, a bigger class um, that I was, that I've been working on and kind of um, siphoned it a bit into this four-week um, program. And so basically what it is is each week, uh, each week's content will be presented by a guide. And the first week will be presented by Joan of Arc the second Mm -hmm. week by Frida Kahlo, the third week by um, Hildegard of Bingen and the fourth week by Dolly Parton. And each guide um, presents content guided by their Enneagram number. So personality to what they're good at. Mm. And so um, like the first week will be about harnessing our sort of mental prowess. Mm-hmm. The second week will be about, um, uh, addressing our physical body, our physical needs, becoming an expert on our physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, the third week is about creativity and the fourth week is about service, gratitude, and abundance. Mm. And, um, so while it is a lot about, um, fortification, like sovereignty, autonomies, you know, being self-governing and personal power, it's also going to be the theme that keeps coming up for me too. Um, as I'm finishing up the development is reciprocity, like giving and receiving, mm-hmm. um, again, to sort of increase our stamina and resilience as we pass through the end of 2020 and move on to 2021. So while it may sound abstract, um, lots of practical tools. And each week we're going to um, make some art that Mm -hmm. goes with the theme. And these aren't masterpieces. They can be just Illustrated journaling, or collage, or a poem, or something I that relates that. to the theme. And on Sundays, we're going to have a Zoom call where we share um, our experience with the practices, and we um, share what we've created. And I'm super excited. Yeah. The, the women that have signed up already are amazing. Um, I know this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. So we have room for more. And um, so I hope you'll join us. Go to theunruffled.com and click on the bar at the top. And that'll take you to the sales page where you can sign up. We start November 9th, which is a Monday, but that just means that the content will come out for that week. Each week's content will come out a couple of days prior to Monday. And and then the first Zoom call will be that week of November 9th. We okay. go two weeks, skip the week of Thanksgiving, and then finish up the last two weeks in December. I love it. I'm sorry. I got confused. Are meeting on Sundays or Mondays? We're meeting on Sundays. The content Sundays. goes out prior. To the week, week prior. Okay, got it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So they have time so to you like can, read it and check it out. Right. So you have time to, to you know, um, Embody the practices, you have time to work on some kind of creative expression. Yeah. And then we group on Sundays to share what we've done. Oh, I love it. That sounds so awesome. What time on Sundays are you meeting? That's a good question. To be decided. Okay, I'm, to be decided. I'm going to see if I get, yeah, I'm going to wait until I get a few more um, signups, and okay. then I'll probably just reach out, because it's a small group, and yeah. I can reach out to everyone, and maybe we can come to some kind of consensus. Although, um, you know, it, it, you know, probably one time won't meet everyone's needs, and that's why right. it'll be recorded. And, yeah, you know, awesome. For anyone that can't make it.
0: Well, I love, it cause it seems like a culmination of all the things you're interested in and to like, well, not all the things, but you know what I mean? Like a, a good deal of things that you've been interested in reading, working with yourself personally, and for you to guide that with the women, I mean, you're such a, a good, um, wise and resourceful, creative soul. So, I mean, it's going to be awesome.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's everything I do um, through my Change Your Story coaching as far as coming with a holistic approach. So it's that same sort of holistic approach broken down week by week. Mm. And then the guides just make it kind of fun. And we're going to talk about the Enneagram too. So, um, so much, so much good stuff, it's not an Enneagram class, but it will definitely come up and that's going to be super fun.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, I love it. I can't wait for it. That's great. Um, speaking yeah, the end of the year, you're right, Sandra. It's like, um, we still have a couple of months here. You know what I mean? And it's like, how can we make this, this last, um, like you're calling it the last 30 days. How can we make the last 30 days of the year? Really? Not just fly by with holidays and not just fly by with obligations, you know, and kind of really sink into it. I think it's beautiful invitation. And speaking of invitations, I'm working on a class with my creative consultant for January. And I woke up in the middle of the night last week And I sat up in bed and I was like, I know what I'm going to call the class, the invitation. Oh, nice. And I was like, you and I had talked a little bit back and forth about it. And I was just thinking about all of these things that I'm, I I feel like the universe invites me to, and I get to either show up or not, you know? And so we're crafting it. I have a call with her tomorrow and it's going to be a little bit of picking word for the year, you know, and, um, and then it's going to have five weeks of, um, prompts one's morning routine and. Uh, we're still fleshing out the details. One's going to be on sacred adornment and just ways to kind of sink into the new year. Like you said, it's going to be, we're in for the long haul. So that'll be like mile seven in January, right? For the month. Right. <laughs> um, and I know, and I love January so much. It's like my high holy day is January 1st. Like I love it so, so much. And it's really served me um, over the years. So I'll talk more about that later, but I'm just so excited that we're both doing things that are really lighting us up. Yeah. And um, Yeah. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Um, and speaking of things lighting people up, we have yeah. an awesome guest on our show.
2: We do. We have our friend Colleen, Colleen Marie. And we've known Colleen. Yeah. She was part of the OG Home Facebook group that Laura McCowan and Holly Whitaker um, built. Yeah. an extension of their podcast home um, back in 2016. yeah what we determined? Yeah. And um that's where that's how long we've known Colleen. And um I'll tell you a little bit about her. She works full-time in marketing and franchise business development for a fitness studio, and she's also a yoga teacher. She's cur- currently developing a platform to help yoga teachers create their own businesses. And her goal is to empower as many people as possible to become their own boss while working to do the same for herself.
0: Yeah. And she, um, her website is colleenyoga.com. and you can find her at Instagram at colleenyoga. And it was so good to catch up with her and, and just remember like that community really kind of started everything for me. Yes. in recovery the home Same. podcast, Laura Holly, the secret Facebook group for that group. Um, I remember when we hovered at around 200 people for a while there in that group mm-hmm. for, for a good while.
2: That's and then it I bumped met up to, yeah. And then it bumped up to 400. I was, mm-hmm. I was reminiscing about that too. And then it hovered yeah. around 400 for a while. Yeah. Um, lifelong friends
0: from that yeah. group. Absolutely. And seeing what, what Laura and Holly did, um, I know that I was just so attracted to a lot of the women that they were attracting, you know, and wanting what they had in their recovery or just wanted to, to develop some friendships that were, that someone shared my common problem, you know, and I'm so grateful that I met you in there, Sandra. It was just, oh, um, same. so many of the women that are in my life. Um, so yeah, that was beautiful. Um, I do want to get a little bit of a disclaimer that we do talk about suicide in this episode and so just if that's a trigger for anyone, um, we just want to mention that before we kind of dive in.
2: Oh, I'm glad you remembered that. And also yeah. I, that made me remember that we also had a lot of background noise in this, right. in this podcast. We're calling these, um, these last <laughs> few months have just been pandemic podcasting people. That's right. So you just We're never, have got to go with it. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's also, we don't have to do things perfectly and it's not that we don't care about the podcast because we very much do. Um, But along with our recovery, that things don't get done perfectly and the world doesn't end. And so if sound is a little bit of an issue on this one, we hope you'll forgive us. We hope you'll push through. It'll be, you know, cats joined us, I think maybe, and then there's some road noise and my dog, you know, it just happens. And, um, but we had a great conversation with Colleen. We think the world of her, and we hope that
1: you do too.
2: Enjoy Colleen. Welcome to the show, Colleen.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
2: Oh Colleen. I'm so Hi. excited to <laughs> talk to you this morning. It's going to be a love fest today, right? It is. Yeah. Because okay, we've all known each other virtually mm-hmm. for a while now. Yeah. We have... How long has
1: it been? like it's four-ish years, right? So 2016, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was. And that was all thanks to our good friends,
0: Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan and their home podcast and their secret Facebook group that they created
1: sure I found you ladies first in in the home Facebook group that they had created and in, in that little special little homey nook we all had for that for that time
2: well and we oh my gosh sorry there's a really loud motorcycle that just went by my house I couldn't even mute it in time um, <laughs> real life yeah that's real life um so uh, he really distracted me too. And he like, I'm <laughs> um, harsh to my vibe. <laughs> um, anyway, what I was going to say was we refer to that group a lot because I mean, I think that just speaks to the connections we made in that little secret Facebook group at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah it was really special. It was a special time in my life. And it was, it, it all popped up right when I really needed it. And yeah, I still have so many connections from that time, even though, you know, I don't, I don't visit that, that space anymore. I don't think it, I don't know that it really exists the same way, but I love the, the people like you too, that I met in there. And it was just, it was, it was really special.
2: Absolutely. Well, okay. So before we get into all of that, um, where are we talking to you from, Colleen?
1: So I live in a little suburb, um, about 20 minutes outside of Cleveland, glorious oh. Cleveland. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got it. You know, there's been a lot of Ohio, right? <laughs> there's been a lot of Ohio references lately. Like I'm reading this book of poetry by a woman who lives in Ohio and then at somebody else, like something else came up and i was and she lived in ohio and i was like oh interesting really yeah yeah the ohio it's like connection,
1: connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it is pretty great here it really is um it, we have a lot of good um there's a lot of rust belt chic happening around here but mm. there's um there's I'm, I'm happy with 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 my space i don't think i'm ever going to try to leave again
2: Right. Because you did. And we will get I to did. that, right? You right, right. tried to pull a geographic. <laughs> I did.
0: Right. That <laughs> happens. That happens. That's normal. Um, I'm hearing, just before we get into the interview, and I, I know we're doing this kind of live, but I'm hearing a little bit of clicking or something in the background, Colleen, when you're chatting. I'm just curious if there's any jewelry or
2: Hmm,
1: no, I'm on this wired set of earbuds though, so, okay. and I don't know if it's moving and then you're hearing it. Okay. What about if I say really still, do you hear anything now?
0: No, it sounds great. Mm-mm.
1: Okay. Can you be just like just still. a statue? Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry yeah. to do that live. I just want to make sure we didn't go through the whole thing and then, you know, I no,
1: you just No, yeah, that's thanks. fine. Okay, yeah, sorry. interrupt me anytime, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: um, okay. Well, uh yeah, this is how we do this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, that's how we do it. That's <laughs> how just we do it. it. Motorcycles and all. <laughs> we just keep going. Um, okay, Colleen, well, now that we've established where you live,
1: <laughs> we
2: didn't so talk about the weather, but that's okay. I'm assuming it's chilly
1: there. and It's super um, dreary. It's raining. It's about as October as October can be today here.
2: Um, well, that sounds lovely. Yeah. It really sounds very lovely. It's cozy. Channel that vibe. Um, why don't you then tell our listeners how you came to um, being in re- a person in recovery? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I guess you would say I never had a healthy relationship with drinking, Um I started drinking really young um, in my, you know, mid teens, and I fell into sort of a party crowd and in the small town that we grew up in, um, it was just, it was a binge drinking culture. You know, I was really, I was just this young teenage girl and I was growing up with these party people and we weren't, you know, drinking in a sophisticated way, (laughs) you know, we were doing keg stands and beer bongs. And I had this, you know, cool girl mentality where I had to, you know, keep up with the boys and I was drinking fast and, um, a lot really, really early. So, um, I didn't really know there was anything wrong with it, uh, until much later, but, you know, so I went from that, you know, sloppy teenage party time. And at that time, it was just socially drinking. It was everybody that I knew was the same way. So I didn't really think too much of any of that. And then I got pregnant with my daughter when I was 19. And it kind of changed all my plans. And, you know, I was getting ready to go to college, I had my dorm room assignments, you know, I just graduated and I had to let my parents know that, you know, I'm not going (laughs) away to college anymore. I'm having a baby instead. And that time, um, was, you know, the first time I had to like settle down since I, you know, had started my, my partying days. And, and I tried, I tried to be, you know, the mom and, you know, I was, young and you know her father and I got engaged and we you know played house and but we still were so young that we still had this sort of party lifestyle so we would you know go out and drink and all of those things still but we never I never had a home life of drinking if that makes sense so I still was only drinking socially but it was still sloppy and immature and messy um and that kind of just continued through my you know, I guess my mid-20s, um, that relationship deteriorated with, you know, her dad. And, you know, I I went on to mature a little bit and I met someone else. And I was, you know, I had a big grown up job. So I was still only drinking socially. I was it was nothing I was too concerned about until I started drinking after work with my work friends. Um and I started to need to drink after work with my work friends. You know, I was I was the one, you know, corralling everyone to go out to the bar after work. Um, can we all go? Um, and I'd be, you know, it would suck when when people didn't want to go with me. So that was when I started. Oh, I can pick up, you know, beer after work, um, and that's kind of where the, the shift happened from socially drinking to sort of home drinking um Mm -hmm. you know and you know that kind of it wasn't too crazy for a while and I years went by and I was in a different relationship and you know there was nothing bad that ever happened during that time other than I was just you know kind of a messy person and then I got pregnant with my son who he's uh 12 now, he'll be 13. So that's about um, like a marker in time for you. And I had already started to realize that I probably shouldn't drink as much as I did. And in fact, I was actually drunk when I realized, you know, maybe I should take a pregnancy test because I just don't feel um, like I've had my period. I was so unorganized in my life at that time like i didn't even realize that i had missed my period it was kind of something that sort of dawned on me so um i took that pregnancy test and i was pregnant and and that was the first time in a long time that i had any sobriety so i was obviously sober throughout my pregnancy and i felt really good and i was noticing what a difference you know it was um mm-hmm. I had never had that comparison cuz I had just never really been a sober adult. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right. You can
2: all of a sudden magically manage your life
1: better. <laughs> yes, it was it was night and day. I went from somebody who never had clean laundry available to me to, you know, somebody who had time to organize my closet. And um I grew up during that pregnancy and I became like a mature more mature person. I just, you know, my son got to experience a whole different type of mom than mm. my daughter did, mm-hmm.
2: you know. What's the age difference between your kids?
1: So, Hannah will be 21. Um Okay,
2: so about 10 years?
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. 8 years, yeah. 8 years. uh mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess during that time I I things changed. I I went from being a sloppy beer drinker to, um, Oh, I'm going to start drinking wine. You know, You're my sophisticated <laughs> drinker. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, very know, I had, <laughs> I had my, um, son when I was 27 and, you know, I slowly eased my way back into drinking. I had told myself that girl's gone. That Beer drinking, um, you know, stander. Yes, yes. And I felt that. I really felt like she was gone. Right. I thought I was gonna keep things pretty uh pretty on the up and up after that. And I found myself falling in love with wine. And as we know, wine has a lot higher of an alcohol content. And um I had to make rules around wine really quickly. Um, You know, I couldn't drink wine at home only when we were out or when we were at dinner. And this is when I started realizing that I was micromanaging my drinking. And I started trying to find excuses to stop again. So I started doing things like cleanses or I did a Whole30. I was, you know, doing these things and I was getting little pieces of how much better I felt, but then my external world kept rocking me and I was, I had no way of managing everything. So I would continually fall back into drinking too much. My husband and I split in 2014 um, and it was kind of a, a disaster. It was sort of, you know, I was managing with moderation and cleanses and things like that. But once that happened, I just kind of gave up, you know, I just was like, screw it. I am so codependent or I was so codependent. I immediately got into another relationship and this guy was not good for me. It was a really toxic situation. He was a drinker. He, he basically was the opposite of my husband in every way. He reminded me of my dad. I thought he, you know, was going to kind of be the safety net thing that I needed, and it was a mess. And you know, I think he and I broke up maybe 15 times,
2: mm-hmm. so it there was, was a lot of drama, and that that kind so of much, yeah. So the emotional
1: much. roller coaster, mm-hmm, so much, even still, even with him being a heavy drinker, I still knew my drinking was not something I wanted to just let get away from me. So around 2016 um, I started really trying to figure this out and it was all in secret. You know, I didn't want him to know that I was wanting to quit drinking. I just, I just knew that I needed to get out of that. And I found Holly's website, hip sobriety. Um, I'm just probably through some random Google search and um, there she was saying the one thing I had never heard before, which was that sobriety was not a sad consequence. Right. And, you know, it, it something in that and her enthusiasm and zest for life, I was like, Oh, wow. Like, I want some of that. Different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This could be different. So I just, I think I read through her whole blog, like every post she ever wrote. And this was before the home group even existed. And then I found Laura because Laura had guest posted on Holly's blog. Um, And then I was like, once I ran out of Holly's content, I went to Laura and I sucked up all her content. And then in that time, those two created the home group, they created the home podcast. And I was a very early adopter of both of those things. And I finally managed to string that sobriety together. So I met you ladies and, um, I managed to get t- two years of sobriety, um, mm. at that time.
2: Yeah. And, and what Colleen, what were your the tools other than being like in the group were you, did you do 12 step or did you have any in real life, um, contact with sober women?
1: I didn't, I went to probably five, (laughs) 12 step meetings Mm -hmm. and I was, I, I, I was open to it. You know, I was terrified, but I went and I was open to it. And if I go back to that relationship that I was in, um, he just wouldn't allow it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he actually, um, just told me, you know, he had some bad memories of his mother going and, you know, get as, as an excuse to get out of the house type of thing. And I don't know, it was just, right. It was about him though. Right.
2: Whatever you were doing. Yeah. You were shining a mirror. You know, back to him probably. Yeah. Correct. You know, so yeah, you would shine a something there that and you mm-hmm. might leave for good. <laughs>
0: right. Right. You might you might yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you got you
1: were two years sober while you were still with him? I was. And it was I I was a warrior in that two years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. I mean, <gasps> I went through. I'm sorry, my little dog's barking. <laughs> okay, the traffic. podcast so <laughs> <laughs> is about? Um, yeah. I mean, I I really, I think he knew that he couldn't pick at my sobriety in a really obvious way, and I was so I wanted it so bad. I mm-hmm. just really wanted it. I didn't want to be like my parents. They were both extremely heavy drinkers. Um, I was. I watched so much destruction happen in my life ever since I was a little girl. Um, and it was all because of alcohol and it was, I was putting it all together. Like as an adult now, I was Mm like, Oh, you're I'm an adult
2: child of an, of alcoholics and right. Right. And this is a, uh, this is cyclical, um, familiar familial patterns, yeah, they just will keep going unless you are the one to break the pattern. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: what, but what did your ex-husband think about the sober version of you? Did, was
1: he um, supportive or? Sure. Um, Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, And, and, and as respectful as, you know, he, he, could be about it. Um when we say ex-husband, I think you mean the current that guy I was with at that time. Um, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Right. I know it's confusing. It's you know, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but but sure, I mean he had to be. It I, you know, we had a um the toxicity of our relationship was in that really, you know, sneaky gaslighting narcissistic way. So that, you know, there was no overt um, you can't do this. It was all very manipulative, and Got it. Yeah. so surface Inside. level support. Yes, exactly. Um, but to just get away from you know that you know uh, you know during that time I went through so much between him. I lost my dad in 2017. Um, he actually took his life due to his alcoholism. You know his. He lost everything. He lost mm-hmm. his job, his wife, his house. And he just got to the point where the man was so sick and miserable he couldn't take it anymore. And mm-hmm. I stayed sober during that time as, you know, a way of honoring him and and changing our family history and I I don't understand what happened because I got so strong I left that guy, I stayed sober through that time. I was on the the upper end of everything. And it's what people often refer to as having an upper limit problem. Um, You get to where things feel so damn good. (laughs) Yeah. And then suddenly I just, I didn't, I started pulling away from my sobriety network, you know? And it wasn't obvious and it was just, I was kind of burnt out. And I was just living this happy life and things were going really well. And to kind of make a long story short, or I'm maybe making a long story longer. I don't know what I'm doing, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, I just, I forgot how bad things were because things got so good and I thought I was a different person. And I went on a trip to visit my girlfriend who lived in Arizona. And I had never been out to visit her and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And I spent 12 days there and I just, I felt completely different. I felt like a different person. And when I was there, I was not premeditated. I drank and I just, I have no idea why I did it. It was just, I thought I was a different person somewhere inside of of me, you know?
2: Mm. What do you... so I'm assuming that there was much grief over the loss of your father, um, oh, yeah. to suicide. What have you thought back to that time and, and maybe what you, what did you do with that grief then? Um, I don't know what because I did I'm, with that. I mean, I'm, I'm just being, I'm playing armchair psychologist here, Sure. but I'm just wondering sure. if, you know, the drinking maybe was a result of something that was just unprocessed or, um, you know, not because I spent so
1: much of my life numbing. I didn't, I, I'm not, I, I have a hard time feeling, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel a lot when that happened. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I didn't, you know, you, you picture people, you know, sitting and screaming and crying in agony, but even though I was sober and I had the ability to feel things, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I I was, it was hard to access it. You know, I didn't cry right away. I didn't cry at his funeral. Um, And it's not because I wasn't sad Right. Because I was, it was just, I didn't know what to do. My body didn't know what to do with it. Mm. My body didn't know how to react to it.
0: That makes sense. I was,
1: yeah. I mean, one of the things that struck me when that happened, um, my dad at that point was living in my grandma's basement because he had lost our family home. Um, because, he, he quit his job. He didn't get fired. He quit his job because he didn't want to work anymore. (laughs) And he spent his retirement because he didn't want to work anymore. Um, because he couldn't work anymore because drinking had, you know, taken over. But when I went into the space that he spent most of his time, um, I hadn't been in there and I'm talking I have never seen something like this. He had, he was a beer drinker. He didn't drink, you know, hard liquor. Um, he drank cheap garbage beer in large quantities. And he had cases, empty cases of beer boxes just stacked floor to ceiling in his Mm. space. He had, you know, he had pots and pans full of vomit Mm. in his space. You know, he was in. Probably one of the most desolate places a person could let themselves, well, not let themselves. I don't like to word it that way, but that he could get, mm. there was no question in my mind why he did what he did. Right. No mm. one should live the way he was living. Yeah. He had just given up. Right. Mm. Yeah. I had never known him to try to not drink. I grew up and he always had a beer in his hand um and it, he was a managing it, he managed all the way through you know my early 20s probably and then things just drastically declined after that you know his his health and uh I'm sorry do you hear that beeping Remember the call
0: how old were you when he passed away when he took his life
1: um so i would have been 36 or 37 36 yeah
0: and it's interesting to me when you say Colleen um that you felt like a warrior during that time like um i can get that like where you kind of need to channel that warrior strength right a mm-hmm. little bit i would imagine i'm just just guessing here but the dis- the dissociation that happens i think um That can happen with grief. Like you can, okay, I have to deal with this now. And this is what's happening, right? And you're kind of Mm -hmm. compartmentalizing it a bit. And I'm strong and I'm not gonna drink and I got this. Um, Sandra knows I'm a crier. I cry all the time on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I had a friend who was dying and I didn't cry not once, not once until you know the day that she died. Um, but I was with her for a month beforehand, but I felt in warrior, like you're saying, it's almost like something that you call up and it's fortifies you. And it's kind of, you're, you're strong because you have a purpose. Um, and then it's not that I lost my purpose, but sometimes you lose your way and you get a little, for me, I got weak and vulnerable and then the tears could finally come. Um, I had moments of thinking about drinking, but never acted on them, but I can understand when you're saying like warrior strength, and dealing with, um, you know, and and you've been, and you saw your dad that way, his, you know, his whole life and to kind of see that in the end, how he, in, you know, how it was ended. Um, I imagine that gave you some kind of like, I'm not going to drink. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in that oh, moment, did. in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then, so you had a little bit of time. How far, how long after did you, um, did you
1: decide to drink? It was a year after that. A year after. It was a year had gone by. Mm-hmm. So like his
0: anniversary, do you think that was triggering or?
1: Mm, No, I mean, it was around the same time my dad died in in February. And Mm -hmm. so it was, it was the end of May of 2018 when I, when I drank again. So Mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, any
2: sort of, especially grief, since it's so, such a powerful emotion, right? It goes somewhere. Um, It doesn't just dissipate like a vapor, and, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe you'll never connect all the dots, um, but I don't know. I'm just think you know, now that you're, um, you're, you're becoming a yoga instructor and all of that. I'm sure that that's, um, something that you probably think about, right. Where those emotions, they just go somewhere in your body, um, And you just don't know when they're going to surface and, um, how, you know, what the circumstances might be. Right.
1: Right. I mean, I do a lot of deep work now to, uh, be more connected emotionally with my body, um, with my thoughts, with things that are, you know, lodged deep inside. I, things are really different now than Mm -hmm. they, than they've ever been. Um, But it's not without, you know, so much work, (laughs) so much damn hard work. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just a never ending process and, you know, letting things come up and saying, oh, wow, I didn't I don't know where that memory or that thought came from, but let's look at it. You know, it's it's a whole different way of being from being a person who shoved a lot of stuff down um, for as long as I as I've ever been, you know, alive, really. I mean, I just, I've always had to be a tough girl. My mom had raised me to be a tough girl. You know, Mm -hmm. she, she was that way. And, you know, I have two sisters and she had you know she was really proud of her tough daughters you know she would brag like oh they're just like me they don't take any shit. you know
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> right because it's a way of coping and surviving and you know it serves a purpose
1: right absolutely so, and so oh, go I'm ahead sorry.
0: i was just gonna, so i'm just thinking for our listeners too so you you decide to to um to drink again or you do drink again And you know enough to know that you had these, these couple of years sober, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, how does that, how does that just, I want to know how you got back is the thing. So can you take me a little bit of what it was like during that time? And then what, what finally brought you back to, to, um, to knowing that you want to live without alcohol?
1: Of course. Um, it was, um, a bit of a mess in the right away. So, um, Mm. Of course, I, you know, immediately, I, I I dipped my toe in pretty gently. Uh, I wouldn't drink wine because I found that to be uh, dangerous. I made a lot of rules. I, I tried to be very sophisticated and uh, manage, you know, um, the whole situation. I was, I micromanaged everything because I didn't want to admit that I had made a mistake. But I knew I made a mistake right away. I mean our tolerance doesn't change. Um it comes right back. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I was making insane choices and causing just massive upheaval in my life at that time because I was running. I was running from what I was doing and you know, after that trip to Arizona, my girlfriend Just the entire time I was there, she was trying to sell me on coming out there, you know, and she was giving me, you know, a place to stay while I found a place to live. And I was just kind of entertaining it. I wasn't taking it too seriously until I sat down with my soon-to-be ex-husband and I talked to him about it. And he wanted to go, not together with me as a couple, but he was willing to relocate as well. And when he said that it was just game on. I was like, well, I mean, God, I didn't think that this was going to be able to happen, but wow, we can really do this. And when I get an idea in my head, look out, I am, (laughs) I'm ready. I wanted to go that minute. I sold everything I owned. I went completely crazy. I couldn't wait. It was from that stage of June I was on the road to move to Arizona in October. So across the country, making all these shifts, I was able to find a way to keep my job. So my boss didn't want to let me go. He created this you know, position for me that I'd be able to do remotely. So wow, that worked out perfect. Um, I was going to stay with my girlfriend. I was going to drive across the country with her and then Get an apartment, find a place for us to live, because I didn't want to drag my son with us, because I didn't want to do this whole school district shift thing. I needed to know exactly where we were going to be, so I drove across the country, and I thought I would fly, or my my ex and my son would fly out to us. Okay, so I, I had this whole plan, and then I also, in the meantime, from June to October. I'm drinking like a fish because I'm being crazy. I'm moving. I'm selling my stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. Did it
2: feel like manic sort of manic energy? Yeah. Yes.
1: It was crazy. It was like nothing was within my control. And I just, I I don't know what I was doing. I truly don't. And to this day, I I know that I had my daughter when I was 19 and I kind of feel like I had to make some changes that I never would have done. Like I didn't get to go off to school and I didn't get to live these big adventures. And suddenly I was like, oh, I'm going to live the big adventure now.
0: So when you say not, nothing was in, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You said nothing was in your control, but it seems like sometimes with a move with a geographic, it's, I feel like it's like you want to take control. Like it feels like you're trying to, to grab some.
1: You know? Oh, for sure. Sh- May- yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was like, it took on a life of its own. You know, I had to get there. And I thought once I got there, I would quit drinking. And I was going to, st- I actually did. I didn't think I was going to move and have a new drinking lifestyle. I thought I was going to move and cleanse my soul of all of this stuff that I was doing, um, drinking again. I-, I actually knew that I shouldn't drink. And I never was a big moderator, so during this time I was trying to moderate and not be out of control. And I had some time in that time period. Hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm, I'm I went to Arizona. I was continuing to drink. I changed my mind almost immediately. I was like, "This feels wrong. I don't mm-hmm. want to be here."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I talked to my you know my husband, and he said you know, I'm getting an opportunity with work. This might all be working out for the best because I think I'm going to get a big promotion. So maybe this isn't what we should be doing. And I am telling you right now, that was the best sound to my ears I ever heard. I had, I might've packed my car that night and come home. I felt so scared and alone and disconnected out there. And I, I, was drinking pretty heavily because I was a mess about leaving my family. You know, I'm very close with my sister and her kids. And, you know, my daughter was off at college and, you know, I just, I felt crazy and I just mm. needed to come home. <laughs> right. Mm. I, you were making a bid for something that you
0: wanted, like but you saw a feeling or something, but, but I'm sure when you're still drinking, it was like, we want these things, but we don't know how to get it. So we're so clumsy we're right. doing things that aren't, you know, that don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes too.
2: Right. And too because everything can get so muddy, right? When you're drinking, it's hard to it's hard to find your true north. It's like was that it? Was th- is this it? Is this the voice I should be listening to? It's just really really hard sometimes mm-hmm. to hear your intuition.
1: Um I was so soaked in shame at that time. Like um, I was mortified. I was, I, w- I didn't know what to do. And I I think Sandra, at one point I even reached out to you mm-hmm. and I was like, I am a mess right now. And I don't remember what we said. And I I wouldn't even probably want to dig back to that conversation at this point, <laughs> but I, I reached out to a couple of you guys and mm-hmm. I was, you, you know, did.
2: yeah. And that was, yeah, that was, you, you reached out to me once, or I reached out to you when you were in Austin,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because I just saw that you had Posted something on Instagram from Austin. I was like, "Hey, girl, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello."
1: <laughs> and uh, sobriety yeah, stalking.
2: You were, <laughs> yeah, you were like, "Yeah, nothing to see here. I'm here for a minute." And uh, yeah, so and then I kind of, you know, I got the vibe that something maybe was going on because you didn't, mm. you didn't sound like the Colleen that I had gotten to know in the home group. And then you circled back around with me, I think, and you, you, that's when you kind of fessed up and you were like, actually, I'm not in a good place. And that was a little later and yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I don't exactly know what was said either, but I'm certain I said something like, you know, the seat's open for you always, you Mm -hmm. know, right here,
1: um, when you're ready. Mm -hmm. I got back home you know at that point and then I was like I was so relieved to be home and I was so relieved to be home in fact that I got back with that shitty guy again mm. <laughs> and I just I wanted to just feel normal and settled and he was normal and settled to me at that time so so here we are I'm back in this shitty relationship. I'm drinking again, but I, at least I'm home now. I'm still soaked in shame. I'm hiding from everybody. I'm hiding from my own friends and family. Cause it's embarrassing to say I'm moving across the country. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I'm back <laughs> right, right. Away. You have to eat a lot of crow and oh, those boy. kind of situations. Yeah. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a while before I was able to face everything that I had had gotten myself into, but I did. I ended that relationship. Thank God. I said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now, but this ain't it. And after sitting in my shame for a while, I started working on my sobriety again. And you guys, it was the hardest thing in the world to get sober again. Mm -hmm. It was so hard, (laughs) so much harder. How so? Than it was oh, but, the first time.
0: Yeah, share with our listeners because I think this is important, Colleen. Yeah. It
1: I... really is. It really is. I, I, it never, first of all, it never got as bad as it was when I was in my desperate moment in 2016, Googling about it. Because I was moderating and I had had that long term sobriety beforehand. I was more stuck in this dirty purgatory space and it was like, it almost just felt like this visual of somebody, like there's like an angel on your shoulder and a devil on the other. And I knew what I needed to do, but I was already in this bad space. And I was like, well, I'm here now. So I might as well like mess around in here for a while. I just, it was hard to get the energy back up to want to deal with it. And
2: mm-hmm. it was, that's, that's, you know, that's what Dak Shepard talked about. Um, I don't know if you listened to his podcast that he recorded I did. about his relapse. I and he talked about that too, you know, mm-hmm. like he feared that if he, um, you know. He's not wrong. Had He's to start over. Well, you might as well just, you mm-hmm. know, live it up you might as well just roll around in it.
1: Yep. He's absolutely right. And that is a valid fear because when you're already there, um, I don't know how it happened, but, you know, I went from two years of great sobriety to almost two years of being in the mock of Mm -hmm. up and down and up and down. can I do this? Can I not do this? And eventually um, getting out of some of the mess that I had built for myself through that move and getting back into that relationship. I was just cleaning things up piece by piece. And I, I just knew that I needed, I had to commit to myself that this just wasn't the life for me because when I drink, it's not that I am a wrecker of life for myself or for anybody else, I just feel awful. I feel awful almost immediately when I drink and then I feel so sick the next day. I can't function and I am too passionate about too many things to let this thing eat me alive and take away all of the things that I wanted. I wanted to live and be who I know that I am deep inside the you know the woman that I met when I was sober. I wanted her more.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I just I fought and I fought for her and that's beautiful. I found her. I I found her. You know, I spent most of 2020 sober. I kind of I drank pretty responsibly throughout um from, you know, maybe, maybe July of 2019 to December. I, you know. I drank quite a bit, but I—it was normal looking. It was normal looking to other people, but it's not normal to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself I would just in January I was going to be done. And so January came, and I spent most of 2020 sober. I really did. I just I started getting on track, and things were starting to fall back into place. I was getting back into my good habits. I was, you know, getting up early again and journaling and meditating and doing yoga and you know yoga this time around in my sobriety really helped me find my center and it just it helped me get in touch with all of those feelings that i have not been feeling and then the pandemic hit and i got a little nuts and i drank a couple of times in the beginning and then but i really quickly snapped out of it and i was like damn it no And so I have not drank since May 8th of this year. And I can honestly say that I feel back. I feel different. I don't feel like I'm in the muck anymore. I don't feel like I'm vacillating whatsoever with my decision. Like I know, I know I'm not gonna drink. I mean, I know the way that we can only know, like I'm not drinking today, but I have no doubt that I've turned a corner It was really hard.
2: (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think what you spoke to so well is that, yeah, it makes you feel bad physically. I mean, I never woke up morning after drinking feeling good, ever, ever, no matter how much I drink. But, you know, but, but, but more than that, what it is, it's kind of, you know, it's like an affliction of the soul, you know, that, and that hurts more,
1: mm-hmm.
2: way more mm-hmm. than the the bodily pain.
1: Yeah. I was drowning in that.
2: I'm glad you made it back, Colleen. Yeah. No kidding. Me because you, too. you are a light. You truly are. And f- yeah, for you to not, live up to whatever your own personal potential is would really do I think everyone a
1: disservice oh mm-hmm. seriously yeah. that means a lot to me mm.
0: and and so Colleen talk can we talk about like how you um You know, you talk about what's available to you now that you're sober, what you're you're a serial entrepreneur, you're highly creative. Can you share with our listeners, how you tap into that now with your sobriety and when you're sober,
1: what that looks like for you? Oh, yes. I mean, since I was a child, I've had all of these thoughts and ideas and I continually act on them. Um, And when I would get these little tiny bits of sobriety throughout my entire life, um, I would follow these leads you know, I found, you know, blogging and I had, you know, a vintage store and I was doing all of these little creative outlets. You know, I made this handmade soap business or I would teach myself to paint or play the guitar or graphic design, website design. I, I can't explain to you how many valleys my brain has taken me into, but the only time I can really do that is when i'm sober i cannot
0: mm.
1: investigate these curiosities of mine when i'm drinking so that's part of what i mean when i say i have to be sober because i have to know all of these things and i have to take my creativity and my my creativity takes me it has it leads me down these paths and if i am you know, passionate about a topic, it brings me so much joy. And just like Sandra was talking about, it gets me up in the morning. You know, I'm up at 4 30 in the morning working on things that I love and enjoy. And I get like that with all of these things in my life. I've never thought of myself as a creative person, but that's because I was linking creativity to being innovative, you know? And mm. I'm not necessarily innovative. You know, if you put me in a group meeting at work and they said, Hey, I need you guys to come up with a really creative solution to this problem. Well, that was what I thought of as creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't understand that maybe I'm not, I felt like a wannabe creative. I felt like I, I I wanted to be artsy, but I wasn't. And I wanted to to do all of these things. And then I realized I'm a maker. I, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: give me a course about how to you know paint in this way or follow this technique and I'll do it I'll mm-hmm. create it and it'll look great but if you gave me a blank canvas I wouldn't be able to you know I draw you a stick figure
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> well and and just, that's that's what I love about this podcast that Tammy and I've created because we get to we get to put on display you know so many different versions of creativity.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and then that becomes an invitation for you know other
1: people when they listen. Yeah yeah it's it's one of my biggest joys in life is getting these these little um, niggles from the universe saying, hey, that thing right there follow that. They're always creative. They're always expressive. And I always get to make something. And, you know, it's something that keeps me sober because I get so much out of that. And I, I, I love it so much that I absolutely would never trade drinking a glass of wine at night for that. I mean, Mm. it's just, it's, it's like, it's too valuable. It's too Mm. important. I love that.
2: Absolutely. Like um, Augustin Burroughs said, you know, you have to find something that you love more than drinking and it could be many somethings, but that's the thing that'll get you up in the morning and, and you'll never regret not drinking the night before.
1: He's yeah. just the best. I just love him so much. Mm-hmm. I I read This Is How every year. Oh, I was just <laughs> I reading that, that this book. weekend. <laughs> were you? I shoved yeah. that book at everyone. I know. I love it so much. <laughs> well, well, tell us.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, I just, Augustine Burroughs, it came up earlier when you were talking about your dad. I, I was just remembering kind of how in dry, Augustine Burroughs was talking about his apartment. And so that, that memory, Augustine came up earlier for me. I didn't say anything, but even just now when you're, when you're talking about him, I, he does say a line to you that Sock talks about like drinking just got too expensive, just cost yes. him way too much, you know? Yeah, And I think yes. that's kind of where, um, uh, where, where it came to me. It was like, it was costing me relationships. It was costing me my dignity. It was costing me my self-respect. It was costing me, um, the trust of others, you know, it just, it was way, way expensive. And, um, yes. he does such a good job of articulating everything. He's so
2: brilliant. Right. And it costs you your dreams, any, any dream, any, any aspiration that you might have. That's, that's the biggest, um, you know, that, that left the biggest soul or hole in my soul. Yeah. Um, personally. Well, so speaking of Colleen, tell us,
1: why don't you tell us about this new venture that you've just begun? Right. It's so fresh and it's so new and, but I'm excited about it every second of the day as I'm, as I'm working through it, you know, when I was in yoga teacher training, I was so excited to teach yoga. And through this pandemic, um, it's just really not the same (laughs) um, with opportunities. And, you know, I talk to a lot of yoga teachers, and they don't know what to do. And they feel like the space is really saturated. And I was telling you guys about what a serial entrepreneur I am and I'm constantly creating businesses. And then I had this little light bulb go off in my head and it was like, Colleen, help the yoga teachers, help them make the businesses, you know how to do both. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my goodness. And it just, it felt, um, it felt I don't know, like a miraculous little moment, an epiphany.
2: Right. Because you've already been doing that right in your J-O-B job. Don't you? Right. Don't you market and, and mm-hmm. for yeah. and, and health and wellness?
1: I do. I do. I work for um, an entrepreneur and we are currently building out systems to franchise And, you know, we've been adding on additional facilities and, you know, I've worked with him for six years and aside from my own side businesses, I've had many, um, I've been successful with many, you know, I had a successful photography business. Um, the only reason I stopped doing that is because it's too much for me. It was, I put too much pressure and stress. It's stressful. (laughs) Um, to shoot weddings. Um, it's like people's special, perfect day. And I was taking that in on myself and I couldn't do that anymore. Um, but this, this whole new thing, it just, it's, it's my new baby and I love it. And I love dreaming and writing and creating. And I just feel like I can help women. I can help so many people. Um, while helping myself because doing things like this helps me.
2: Yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do this,
0: right, Sandra? I mean, I get kind of... <laughs> that intimately.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. You get to help others,
0: but it also helps you help yourself.
1: My life is so wildly different than it was this time. Even, you know, this time last year, I have, a future. I have things that I can see already manifesting themselves into creation. I'm sober. I have a great job. I have the most amazing life partner on the planet. I don't know how Mm -hmm. on earth I finally, after so many years of these toxic situations, have come to get this man in my life who is actually the most gentle supportive loving human being (laughs) Mm -hmm. I everything in my life is different um Mm -hmm. but you know it's definitely it's been a ride to get here
2: yeah and I mean I think that speaks to you know when you love and respect yourself you you then have space for someone else to do that for you Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I think that's true.
0: Yeah, that's the work, right? That's this beautiful work that we were called to do and that you that you answered it, Colleen, that you didn't you didn't um you didn't stop trying. I think I think when people um, have slips or go back out and drink, I just it's so I'm so encouraged and I think it's so fucking brave and, and strong when I see people come back from that. Because not everybody does.
1: I I I can see why it is, it, you know, I, I'm glad I, I can say with total sincerity that everything that I've gone through in the past two years, I've learned from, but God, I would love to see where I would be today. If I hadn't fucking shrank, mm. you know, I, I would, I, sometimes it is every, it just sucks everything out of me to think, wow, but it, but it's okay. <laughs>
2: I it's know, okay. I know. It's
1: hard. It's hard not to go there. I mean, that's a. I think that's human. Um, I, if I could say one thing to anybody with sobriety, is that, you know. It's not going to be different. Yeah, that's a it. Good, won't. It's just not going to be different. It's going to be it's all predictable. <laughs> kinds of, it is. It is. It is. And I, you know, if I can share this. So that one woman doesn't go and say, you know, things are so good. I'm just going to give it a shot. Just, just don't. Just don't.
0: Yeah. Just,
1: well, oh, stay.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. It's good advice. It's good advice. I always say that at
0: the end of my meetings and uh, stay, just stay.
2: You do? You know,
0: yep. Instead of everybody says, keep coming back at work. So I always say, just stay because as much as those meetings drive me nuts sometimes you know i learn a ton in my meetings about why things drive me nuts <laughs> 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 um or i get some beautiful download from the divine that day and then i'll be like oh it's all rainbows and unicorns in the meeting but um a lot of if i stay i learn a lot mm. fun, but a meeting well and that
2: can work. just and yeah. it can apply to recovery yeah um just in general and, and just stay just stay with it um, And if what you're doing stops working, try something
1: else. Yes. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story,
0: Colleen. Yeah.
1: It was my sincerest pleasure. I've actually never said my entire story out loud. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm probably leaving out key things and it's a little bit jumbled. But Mm -mm. oh my goodness. I mean,
2: no, I think it's going to be so so helpful. I mean, you touched on a lot of themes that, that are, that, you know, we struggle with.
0: Yeah. Um, So we obviously don't want to stop talking to you, but we have to. (laughs) Um, But this is the part of the show where we um, ask you about your toolbox and see what you got to maybe share with other women that um, might gain inspiration from what helps you either stay sober or stay creative or
1: whatever that looks like for you that you feel like sharing today.
0: Do you have three things?
1: I do. I have so many things, but I'm going <laughs> to keep, it. I'm gonna keep right. it really simple. <laughs> okay. Give it to us. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that I will always go to if I'm feeling any type of way that involves my nervous system being off is I take a steaming hot shower and mm, yes, <laughs> water is just so alchemical whether you're crying or chugging a big glass of it or letting the hot steaming water pour on you you're gonna feel differently afterwards and taking that hot shower and then putting on my coziest clothes um is always my number one go-to when I need to just kind of reset
2: Mm, that's a fan
1: favorite (laughs) Um, yeah that's a good one yeah and then, um, so my second tool would be, um, I, I go to directly to yoga and breath work, but really what that just means is just to move. Um, you could, if it's not yoga, it can, it can be exercise, but for me, it's yoga. Um, I love to do box breathing or alternate nostril breathing, Um, those are great ways for me to reset. I have a a lot of my um, drinking triggers are related to my nervous system. So if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling any type of wacky way um, in, in my, in my belly and my chest, um, I've got to reset that. So just sitting in a breathing session or just doing a quick yoga session is a great way to get back on track.
0: Mm -hmm. Good. And what's your last one?
1: My last, one is for both when I'm um, feeling sort of manic or when I need some creativity, uh, inspiration, and it's that I go to the bookstore. Mm. Mm. Ooh, yep. that's a good one. <laughs> really good one. Yeah. So what I will do if things aren't working or available to me um, is drive my butt to the bookstore. If I'm feeling like an emotional wreck, I will go to the metaphysical section, and the you know the self helps, and I will sit down and pull out books and find my people. <laughs> I will find them to help me. And um, if I'm feeling kind of stuck creatively, I just like to wander the stacks and go look at all these people doing all of these things. Mm. Look at all these courses and books and topics, and it's just so full of life that I'm guaranteed to like feel a little bit more inspired when I leave
2: mm. I agree that is a good one I miss the library I miss oh. it too, Me too. <laughs> I, I yeah I
0: miss Me going too. to the library to get inspired as well and our bookstore has been closed here um that you can just kind of go and tell them what you want or pick up orders that's not the same as like kind of mm. just
1: wandering the
2: aisles you know
1: yeah.
2: I know. Right. I know. We're going to appreciate that <laughs> so much. Yeah.
1: We um, are.
2: Well, smells
1: so good.
0: How can people find you Colleen and um, follow along in your journey and what you're offering?
1: Sure. So um, my current Instagram is uh, a brand new little baby Instagram because I'm shifting gears with this uh, business to help yoga teachers. So you can find me at Colleen yoga. It's just pretty simple. Um, I'm going to, you know, obviously be sharing what I'm doing over there, but it's, it's going to just be my main account. So you can Great. find me there and yeah, I have a website too. Um, it's ColleenYoga.com and, um, yeah, I feel so weird to promote myself.
2: <laughs> That's
1: yeah. <it's> <laughs> this is why we,
2: we leave the open space at the end because yeah. it does feel weird, but it's good um, to take up space. Yes, it certainly is. Yeah. I
0: had a teacher remind me, Colleen, um, she was my course in miracles teacher. And she said, you're not promoting yourself. You're promoting the healing work you do.
1: Ooh. And when she said it
0: like that, it made me feel less icky about promoting <laughs> the things that I'm I doing. absolutely adore that. That's right?
1: perfect. You're mm-hmm. promoting
0: your healing work and that's exactly what you're doing. And you're going to help Uh, Those that you help are going to help their students. Just kind of this ripple effect. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy we met in home, and I'm so honored and happy that you came here to talk on
1: the podcast today and be so open with your story. Oh my goodness, I am. I'm so happy. I'm so touched that you two asked me to be on this podcast because I have to say you are like my touchstones. In Mm -hmm. you know, I. I look to you two as mentors and friends and, you know, just absolute angels of the work that you've been doing this whole time. Ever since you started the Unruffled podcast, I've been following you both. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, watched what you've done and you've done such great work and it's really inspiring. And I'm genuinely, genuinely humbled and grateful that you asked me to be with you today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, Colleen. Aw, thanks, Colleen. I love how we oh. inspire and uplift each other. It's just beautiful in this community. And that's a, I've never felt so connected to women as I do in recovery. You know? Yeah. It's just yes. really beautiful what we share with one another and how we freely give um, so that we can help others and heal, right? That's really yeah.
1: cool. Stay yeah. connected. Oh
0: yeah, it's key. It's key. Okay, well, have a beautiful day, Colleen. Thank you
1: so much. You too. Thank you. Bye, Colleen. Bye, guys. The Unruffled
0: Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Solace. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier.